0: Blog talk Radio. I mean our kids played hard I, People have been under, underselling our kids for years you know, All we ever want to do is talk about the Big 12 I'm just telling you right now We're not the Big 12 We're just a Texas team that plays with Texas players I mean, I got calling show guys wondering how we're going to, Thursday night calling in, wondering how we're going to stop Texas Tech's offense. Well, you just saw it. Speed, baby. And usually I don't get up here and tell you, but I'm just telling you guys right now. When I get tired. I get tired of being treated like a stepchild in this state and in this, in this town. And my kids do too. We gave up 70 points two years ago, and that's why we got these bracelets on our arms. Said, and make it personal. We were waiting for this one for a long time.
1: And welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good day. Welcome to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, the one and only Anthony Denmark, Denmark-like-the-country. And if you think you did not recognize the voice that opened up the show, that is the one and only Gary Patterson. Of course, earlier this week signed a contract extension to 2022 which will pay him $4.7 million a year. Sometimes we have a tendency to say that certain people may not have deserved to earn the contracts that they are currently receiving. You definitely cannot say that the same for Gary Patterson, of course, has brought the TCU Horned Frogs from the depths of irrelevance to making them a title contender that has reached a recent point where winning 10, 10 games It's not only, it's no longer a surprise, but now it's become expected. Countdown to kickoff. Countdown to kickoff, of course, is brought to you guys by EatGreatSleepSports.com. We have a lot of things on tap for today's show. Uh, We're going to continue our countdown, countdown to kickoff series where we preview college football programs from all over the country with sports writers who cover those particular programs. And if, in fact, you hadn't guessed, uh, of course, today we are going to be previewing the TCU Horned Frogs. No Josh Dodson, no Trevon Boykin. Will there be a problem? And so we're going to find out about that a little bit later on today's show. We have a guest come on to let us know what's happening and what's up uh, with those Horned Frogs and uh, what we should expect from them uh, for this upcoming season. In addition, also to try to get his, at least from the TCU point of view, in regards to uh, what they think about uh, Big Twelve expansion, of course we've had other big covered other Big Twelve programs, and we've had their writers also share uh, where they sat uh, on the Big Twelve expansion issue. So of course we'll be sure to ask uh, Kennedy that question as well. Uh, but before we get to
0: that, let's go ahead and start our show like we always do. Let's go ahead and bring. It. <laughs> Breaking news. Well, it's not really breaking news, but
1: it's something that I consider to be important. Uh, Well, it looks like Maurice Smith uh, may be going to Georgia. Well, it seems as if he could be going to Georgia. Based off of the latest news, all we can reasonably conclude is that he will not be suiting up for the University of Alabama. As now the decision of whether he will be approved to transfer to Georgia will no longer be made by the University of Alabama, and they save it, but instead will be made by the FCC. Now, I've heard both arguments on these sides. People say that, you know what, he should not be allowed to transfer because it will set a har- horrible precedent in which actually programs like Alabama could find themselves cherry-picking the talented players off of poor-performing teams of the SEC and uh, maximize that. Others, of course, have said that, you know, uh, this young man has graduated. He's done what he's supposed to do. He should have the freedom to be able to go or attend whatever school he wants to. And as an argument, they say, hey, coaches jump ship all the time. Kirby Smart, of course, last season was with Alabama. This season now with Georgia. Of course, we've seen all the the Sabre disciples jump ship from one job to the next. Uh, going from Auburn as a defensive coordinator to going back to Alabama, then going to South Carolina, then going to Florida. So we've seen the president being set by coaches, but they are employees and athletes, at least at this particular point, are not. At this point, the SEC has yet to hand down a decision, but we can honestly say that it's going to be a decision that's not only going to impact Maurice Smith, but it's definitely going to have an impact on other prospects who may want to exercise the opportunity of possibly uh, transferring uh, within the conference. We've seen it happen before. Uh, Seems as if uh, Mark Rick had no problem doing it, but I guess, uh, you know,
0: Nick Saban may have a problem doing it. What else we got?
1: (laughs) Dumbfounded. Dumbfounded. After being so quiet, after saying nothing, the first words that we hear from Art Browse is what? Dumbfounded. Earlier this week, he released a statement saying that he was dumbfounded that he was fired. He was dumbfounded that, in fact, that he was removed from his job despite the incidents that took place on his watch, as he was, in fact, the head coach. Dumbfounded. I don't know. I don't know. When I saw that, I just tweeted out the word dumbfounded, and to a degree I found myself saying, you know what, if in fact you've been able to continue to run your program a certain way without having to face accountability for who you recruit or who you bring on campus and who locks you in danger as a byproduct of that, maybe he should be dumbfounded. Because I guess for 21 years, either during his time as a Texas high school coach as his time during at Houston and also during his time at Baylor, I mean, pretty much Art Browse could do whatever the hell he wanted to. So after 21 years of being able to do whatever the hell he wanted to as a head coach, being told now that there are certain standards put in place and now he has to be held accountable for who he recruits, I guess I could see why he is dumbfounded. However, I did find myself thinking and saying to myself, well, you know what, to a degree, you know what, around Christmas time, around the holiday time, and you know when Art Browse's birthday comes up. You know, everybody on that Baylor coaching staff that still has a job, may want to send them a thank you letter. Because instead of snitching or ratting on who may have also participated in these particular acts, Art Browse took it all himself. Now, of course, we can't say that maybe he was looking out for his own self-interests. The people on the staff that he would have snitched on would have been his son-in-law, also would have been his son. And uh, that's definitely not a good look when, in fact, you uh, want to invite the family over for the holidays. But dumbfounded. Art Browse said that he would like to be able to coach in December, although that statement also left me dumbfounded. The reality is that Art Browse is good at one thing, and that's good at coaching. He's won 65 games in the span of four years. And we know that although it may sound dumb, idiotic, and, completely preposterous at this particular point, if at the same time next year introduce us the coach at some particular program, remember that you
0: heard it here first. What else we got?
1: <laughs> oh, let's see here. Other topic on breaking news. Is, let's see here, I forgot. Other topic on breaking news is one of my best friends, 12 years, he kind of got on me earlier today, earlier this week, in regards to a tweet that I put out about the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. In that tweet, I mentioned the fact that the head of football operations mysteriously resigned. And that resignation also kind of coincided with what? I don't know, settlement. And I said, is this a coincidence? And my friend found himself getting mad at me, thinking that, in fact, I was trying to connect the to a particular issue. However, the statement that I was attempting to try to make is, listen, we do know that ultimately, especially in Knoxville, and especially in other college football programs across the country, whenever you see a guy that's mysteriously just not show up for work and be placed on paid leave, that means something happened. We knew that something happened with the Title IX issue, which, of course, is why they ended up settling in a lawsuit for $2.1 million. And although the football operations guy is now currently on paid leave, we've seen this circus before. The only question I wonder is will we actually ever get to find out what it is that the uh, former basketball, former football director of football operations did. Now, of course, I expect that we won't, that bad. But let's go ahead and put quotations around that bad because we know ultimately in sports, at least based off the latest statistics that I saw, that 87% 87% of all NCAA violations and wrongdoings that take place on college football campuses take place primarily for because of the football team. Do you hear anything? Your biggest cash cow is also your biggest liability. Are we going to find out what happened? Hey, like I say in life, right, as I say in sports, we may see what's happening and we may see
0: what's up. What else we got? We got one more?
1: Slap boxing. I don't know. I know when I was in high school, slap boxing was something that we did quite common. And although at times slap boxing was something that was fun that we did with my friends, of course, during our times, all the playing around, it definitely could. It definitely could at times get too heated. If in fact somebody slapped too hard, or if in fact somebody just so happened to be slap boxing somebody that they didn't like. Well, the world got to find out what slap boxing was. As a video was released by TMZ Sports of Leonard Fournette, of course, the hyphen, the hyphen favorite based off of Bravado, was recorded slap boxing with a six foot four, three 305-pound offensive lineman, who, of course, is supposed to protect him. Nevertheless, in the video, I immediately thought it was slap boxing, but in the TMZ Sports report, it was like they were throwing vicious blows. And I couldn't help but laugh, and I said, oh, well, you know, now the world will get an opportunity to find out what slap boxing is. But ultimately I found myself saying to this, although this is fun and games, it's definitely nothing nothing really serious uh, to lose sleep over. I did wonder, and it made me think about Geno Smith, who, of course, jawed last year uh, in the incident. Of course, it wasn't for playing around. But I just said to myself, if, in fact, Leonard Fournette had not a ducked or dodged or maybe and dodged in the wrong direction, it's quite possible that not only would he put his own season at risk, his own chances at a uh, Heisman at risk, but he also would have possibly put Les Miles and all those guys down in, in Baton Rouge's job at risk as well. Slapboxing is part. but I don't I don't think it's a wise choice for Leonard Fournette to be dabbling in throughout the season. Of course, Leonard Fournette released a statement earlier this week saying that he was apologetic. Doing that because at the end of the day, I mean, you, you just can't pl- you, you just can't place those risks when there's so many people investing in you, job security, and also your legacy that LSU, which of course could have possibly include the Heisman, could possibly include the national championship, and we also certainly know it will include an eventual paycheck and a hug from Roger Goodell uh, next month. But of course, will he learn his lesson? Good thing he knows how to bob and weave. Let's try to stop the bob and weaving. Will we see another video? Is this the worst that we're going to see on TMZ Sports? Because thus far, when it comes to the stories of Leonard Fernandez, all we've been able to say is shout his praises. He's done really well during his time there, avoided distractions, and been a great endorser of the school. Let's keep it going. Now, of course, that wraps up my breaking news segment. Again, the breaking news segment is brought to you guys by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. That's E-A-T-D-R-N-K-S-L-P. SPRTZ.com, and no, it is not spelled the Webster's way. It is definitely spelled the Denmark way. Now, continue on our show. We're going to be doing our countdown to get off for my first-time listeners. uh, You can subscribe to the podcast and check out the previews that we've done on all the other college programs in the country. Uh, One thing I pride myself on doing is we cover all the teams, the Blue Bloods, the teams who missed the bowl games, Teams who, of course, have gotten new coaches and teams who, of course, are expected to contend or possibly even pretend uh, for our national championship this upcoming season. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We're going to continue our preview series every Tuesday and Thursday. You can always listen in live or subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by typing in Countdown to kickoff. Instead of writing the letter to write the number two. one word. And you can find out uh, what you may have missed. But the Countdown to Kickoff preview shows will continue all the way up till the season starts. And, of course, throughout the season, we'll also have those same writers come on uh, to share their insights, thoughts, expectations for the upcoming matchups that are going to be following that week. So I'm excited. Uh, this week, today, we're going to be talking about the TCU Horned Frogs. This is possibly could be the year of the Horn Frogs. You say, why, Denmark? Well, let's see here. We know for certain that a TCU horn-fog running back is likely going to be inducted to the NFL Hall of Fame next year. That's almost a certain lock. Of course, we do not know what I'm talking about. I'm referring to Lethane Tomlinson. We do know that Andy Dalton, of course, is healthy. We hope he's healthy. We hope he stays healthy. If, in fact, he is healthy, he was playing at an MVP level, maybe the Cincinnati Bengals may be actually be able to win a playoff game, at least for the sake of Marvin Lewis and his job security anyway. We do know that Josh Johnson is likely going to be one of the most challenging wide, maybe one of the most talented wide receivers, that may find themselves vying for an opportunity to win Offensive Player of the Year. You cannot catch the theme of what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about former TCU players who may have this be a year where we're going to find ourselves talking about those mighty falls. and of course, that theme will continue with Gary Patterson, who of course signed that contract extension, like I mentioned earlier, for fourth. $4.7 million, and it's going to pay him all the way up to the time at which he is 62 years old. And now, of course, it could still be the year of the Horned Frogs if, in fact, they are able to have a successful season. Now, of course, a successful season is different in Fort Worth than it is maybe other places. Before in Fort Worth, maybe a successful season was considered just winning more games than you lost. But then Gary Patterson came on tow and, It became more than that. It became, let's try to win 10 games. Okay, let's try to be a BCS buster. Okay, now we've got to the point now in Fort Worth. We're now talking about Big 12 championships. We're now talking about potentially being dark horses uh, for national championships. We're talking about producing NFL players at a high level who may have come to the school as underrated, overlooked players but find themselves now getting paid to play, like my man down in San Diego, lockdown corner. I can't remember his name. But he came to TCU as an unheralded, overlooked star and developed it remarkably. Now, one of the things that's always great about TCU is they've been able to develop players at a high level. And one of the things that you have to say to yourself, if in fact he, I said he, if in fact Gary Patterson has been able to 10-win seasons with two stars and no stars, now in the Big 12, now after continuing to, to win. imagine what he's going to do when he gets four and five stars. As the recruiting and the talent level at TCU has continued to be on a steady rise, and I truly expect the TCU is not going to find themselves being down and out. Although Josh Dobson and although Siobhan is definitely will be missed, let's do remember that last season we got a preview of how life was without those guys. And although the offense definitely did not average the high. Forty points per game. They did actually still win games. So, what should we expect from the TCU Horn Frogs in in twenty uh, sixteen? To get the answers to that and more, let's go ahead and get Travis Kennedy of Frogs of War to find out what's happening and what's up with these TCU Horn Frogs.
0: <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome hey, to the Anthony, show. Uh... Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me. Glad to be absolutely. here. Absolutely. Now of
1: course, absolutely. Now of course, this season the TCU Horned Frogs will not have Josh Dodson, will not have Trayvon Bullock, and of course are both being paid to play in the NFL right now. But the cover is far from bare when it comes on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, what should our expectations be going into the season, and how should how do they plan on replacing those stars?
0: Uh. Well, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, uh, we got a little bit preview uh, late last year of what that looks like without those uh, those big-name players. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of younger guys on the team. Uh, Kevontae Turpin is obviously, you know, the uh, the one that everybody knows. But uh, we got uh, a senior, uh, Devonte, uh, Deontay Gray, coming back from injury right now, also another junior, Tice Lenina. Uh, And then some younger guys like Emmanuel Porter going to play on the outside. And we also uh, picked up a junior college transfer. He was actually the number one junior college wide receiver out of Iowa uh, Community College. And his name is uh, uh, Taj Williams, who's actually like built a lot like Josh Dotson. I think he's going to step into that role uh, actually pretty seamlessly. I saw him high point uh, a touchdown in the spring game and uh, it looked like they weren't missing a beat, man.
1: Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Travis Kennedy. He covers the TCU Horn Frogs dot frogsofwar.com. Now, of course, we do know that ultimately, although uh, they have weapons on the outside and they have a bevy of dangerous weapons on the outside, uh, you got to find somebody that's going to throw the ball. Now, Meacham and Cumbie turned a converted, converted a wide receiver to a quarterback and made him a high Heisman contender, and also end up getting him an opportunity, an invite to play in the NFL. Now, when you look at Foster Sawyer and you look at Kenny Trill from a talent standpoint, standpoint especially from a quarterback position, they're far more talented and far more, uh, far more, far more ahead of the curve uh, than Trevon Boykins. What should we see from these two guys? So reports say that at this particular point is at fifty-fifty.
0: Uh, yeah. And you know, they say that, um, <clears throat> that's what they're always going to say, but you know, somebody's always got the edge, um, uh, in, in some way or the other. And, and sometimes, uh, you know, one will be better at one thing. The other will be better at the other, like Foster Sawyer, um, huge arm. Uh, he can, he can just drop bombs and he can also move pretty well. He can run the football if he needs to kind of in the same fashion that Andy Dalton does or, or did and still does now in the NFL. But, uh, you know, Kenny Hill is really more your uh, your Boykin type guy who can razzle dazzle and you know move in the pocket and make plays on the run that are going to be exciting. And ultimately, um, I think that he is going to win the job, and uh, and you know there's some there's some whisperings around that that's kind of where things are heading, um, but uh, uh, I mean that's that's where I think we are so far. Now, absolutely. Now, of course, you know, during Big 12 media day,
1: uh, Big 12 defensive end James Caraway he really praised Kenny Hill for being becoming a leader of the team and becoming more mature. Uh, of course, we do know during his time at Texas A&M, it definitely started off with a bang, but ended out in a whimper. Uh, what strides has he made going uh, from Texas A&M to sitting out a year to where he is now? <laughs>
0: Um, well, you know, his sitting out of year was a big part of that. Uh, you know, what he did was, uh, he didn't go to, uh, to another, you know, he didn't go to school right off the bat. And, uh, um, he, he went to a community college over here in Fort Worth. He knew he wanted to go to TCU and he, uh, that first semester, that spring semester, he was at Tarrant County community college, uh, living at home with his parents in South Lake, which is about 40 minutes away from TCU where he played his high school ball. And, uh, you know, I think that that helped him a lot to kind of get back to a place where you know he's the young man that his parents raised him to be, uh, and, and wasn't out running around doing stupid stuff like we all did in college. But uh, you know, these these young athletes they have to uh, they have to put a little bit more on themselves to uh, to be mature, and and the coaches have certainly uh, communicated that he has made uh, really great progressions in his maturity uh, since the events that we all heard about at A&M, uh, but also that he's uh, become a leader uh, among the team and, you know, as a guy who uh, who really wants to do things the right way and uh, get after it.
1: Absolutely. Now, of course, you know, one of the things that, of course, we do know the quarterback decision is the thing that's grabbing most of the headlines. But I know for me one of the biggest concerns, and I heard um, – what's his name? I heard uh, Mike Leach talk about it. Earlier today, talking about one of the most important aspects of the spread offense is the offensive line. And although the offensive line, uh, of course, does not get a lot of headlines, don't get the captains of the cheerleading squad. The offensive line huh. this, for the TCU Horn Frogs. I mean, they got they lost everybody besides one guy. They're replacing everybody besides one. What's the latest with the offensive line concerns?
0: Uh yeah, you know, that's uh I believe Joseph Noteboom who's the guy that that's uh, that's coming back, who was a full time starter last year. Uh and I love that you mentioned Mike Leach. I just gotta say I grew up in Lubbock, grew up watching Mike Leach, coach the Red Raiders and uh man, I love that we're playing that style of ball in, in Fort Worth now. But uh but back to the offensive line. Um you know, a lot of our, our better players got hurt later in the year, just like Boykin and Dotson did and you know, Austin uh, Austin uh, Schlotman and uh, Patrick Morris, uh, those guys both had significant time uh, in those last three games against Oklahoma, Baylor, and Oregon. So, you know, they pretty much were put through the ringer against some tough competition, and uh, we won two of those games and almost, won, almost beat Oklahoma and Norman. So they've definitely proven that they can get the job done uh, also coming in uh, is a guy named Matt Pryor who's seen significant time. And uh, uh, right tackle, uh, note Noteboom who was at right last year, is going to move over to left and uh, take care of the blind side. But uh, Avante Collins is a guy who started his freshman year, then red-shirted, uh, and has seen uh, time sparingly since then. But, uh, you know, he's the coaches feel like he's ready, apparently, because they've put him at the top of the depth chart. Uh, you know to to step into a to a full-time starting role and uh it, you know he he never looked bad uh, as a freshman he just he was kind of in a position that he wasn't really ready for yet you know absolutely
1: now of course you know there's no better trial by fire than having to go up against a Gary Patterson defense now you mentioned injuries and last season the defensive side of the ball three levels was decimated by injuries from James McFarland's freak uh, sprinkler accident that's cost him the entire season. To, so, of course, uh, the cornerback who was projected to possibly uh, be the, big, the best cornerback in the country in the Big 12 last season uh, was also lost to injury. So, who, I mean, we have, according to what I read, it said that they have a combined 11 starters coming back on the defensive side of the ball seven starters from last season and also four starters from the previous season that were lost to injury. How is this defense going to look? Because it definitely did not look dominant last year. Uh,
0: no, earlier in the year, uh, it definitely didn't. And really, yeah, you're right. Honestly, at no point in the year last year did it ever look dominant. Um, by the way, uh, the guy that, whose name you were thinking of earlier that's playing for the Chargers is Jason Barrett. Uh, yeah. I just want to get that out there. Show a little love to my TC boy playing in the NFL. But, okay, here's where we are. Um, James McFarland breaks his toe on a sprinkler. I mean, that is the, that's the perfect uh, picture of what happened to our defense last year. Just every single thing that could have gone wrong went wrong. Uh, you know, we lost Rantony Tejada, who is was, was our number one cornerback, to an ACL. Uh, we lost Kenny Ioka, whose uh, older brother plays for the Bengals, uh, to an ACL. Um, and then uh, we had different guys. We had safeties moving down to linebacker corners, moving back to safety. It, it was a mess, uh, but but Patterson uh, Patterson coached them up and made them, made them good. And uh, this year we're going to reap the benefits. I really believe that we're going to be dangerous.
1: Now, of course, you know, one of the calling cards, of course, of a TCU defense is their ability to be able to stop the run. Now of course due to injuries last season that was definitely something that they were not able to do. Uh they gave up I believe three hundred and thirty one yards rushing uh to um to Oklahoma and gave them over more than over four hundred and fourteen yards total offense, uh, to the Texas Tech Raiders. I mean, with those guys coming back, uh, who do we expect to be the stars on the defensive line? Because although the linebackers and the corners find themselves getting making names of himself in the, in the NFL. We do know that the calling card of a TCU defense is the defensive line. Who's going to be the guy are going to be talking about on Saturday? Um,
0: it's definitely going to be, uh, like I mentioned earlier, James McFarland uh, at defensive end. And on the other end is uh, Josh Carraway. And, man, this is probably the best defensive end tandem that we've had uh, since the Rose Bowl days. Uh, up front, the defensive tackle – uh, not not as much experience but there's a Nebraska transfer called Aaron Curry who played last year who's going to start there and uh and a, another guy called Braylon Mitchell who was uh saw a little bit of time so and then we've got a uh we've got a really exciting freshman coming in to that position whose name is Ross Blacklock and this kid is like 6'4", like 310 pounds already. He's going to be an absolute monster. Um, Absolutely. I saw a
1: picture of him, and he made Mount Cody look like a heel,
0: a pebble. <laughs> yeah, he's a big boy. Uh, so you're definitely going to hear those guys' names. But but to be honest with you, man, uh, the defensive line was not really the problem last year, in my opinion. It was, it was just the fact that the linebackers were converted safeties. So we had guys out there that were weighing 195, 190, 200 pounds when they really need to be 220. And uh, and this year those same guys are back, but they've had the extra year to pack on the weight. And uh, and we've had another couple guys come back from injury there. So the linebacking core is going to be fresh and able to. with the defensive, uh, you know, because there's only the two linebackers, like those two linebackers and the four defensive linemen, their whole the their whole job is just to fill up the middle. And the defensive linemen could do it, but the linebackers would, were just getting run over last year. I mean, you
1: mentioned the linebacker core. According to USA Today, it, it mentioned that the linebackers are teaching our linebacker core the entire Big 12. Now, first, I need to apologize, because I cannot believe I talked this long about TCU without giving you an opportunity to talk about Kevontae purpose who, well, in my opinion, is the most explosive player, not just in the Big 12, but probably one of the most explosive players in the country.
0: Oh, man. Uh, yeah. I I can tell you uh, about this time last year, uh, we were doing our, um, you know, freshman preview series, looking at the recruits coming in. And one of the other writers, Melissa Treblosser, uh, she did an article on Cavante and included his huddle film in there. And she just told us all, everybody on the staff at Frogs Award, you got to watch this kid. He is going to be a star. And I showed that huddle film to everybody I could find over the next two weeks. I was so excited. And then, you know, very first game, he had a little bit of jitters, but you could tell the juice was there. And it was that Texas game when he scored, I think, four touchdowns and uh, pretty much juked every, every single player on Texas' roster Uh, On her way to beating them fifty to seven, I think. Uh, But you know, he's the kind of guy that uh, that just makes it so difficult uh, because he can. We use him running the ball. We use him inside. um, He'll and and he's just so so quick. I mean, I don't I don't really know what else to say about him, man. It's it's the kind of thing that's hard to put into words.
1: Absolutely, when you watch him play. For me, anyway, I find myself thinking about Dexter McCluster. Uh, i finally also thinking about Tavon Austin, uh former uh, West Virginia player. This dynamic, you just give them the ball in space and you just be amazed at what they're doing in that space. But we do know ultimately, uh, I started the show uh, with a clip from Gary Patterson talking about how his team has oftentimes felt disrespect. Do you think we've gotten to the point now where? The TCU Horned Frogs are now an elite program that have gained that national respect that I believe personally what cost them an opportunity to uh, to play in the college football playoff series last two years ago.
0: Um, I feel like they have earned that right at this point. Um, I don't know if the nation as a whole is really ready to accept TCU. They're kind of – I, my feelings and, and and hey maybe we all have kind of a chip on our shoulder here at TCU, uh, but that's a good thing because that's a motivator for Patterson and that's what he uses to get so much, uh, so much fire out of his players. So I feel like the national media is really not ready to accept us. They kind of would just rather if we went away, um, because we're not one of these big schools that, that gets a lot of you know a lot of page views, a lot of eyes on the television screen. But but man, we're not going away. And uh, <laughs> they're gonna have to they're gonna have to accept us sooner or later. Again, I'm on the line with Travis
1: Kennedy, covers the TCU Horn Frogs of com. Now, I've asked every other Big Twelve writer that I've had on the show about Big Twelve expansion, and we know that everybody, every program, every school involved in the Big Twelve expansion conversation has either one advocated for a particular team or either two. In the case of uh, Athletic Director Born in Oklahoma, wants things to stay the same. Uh, what's TCU's uh, perspective on the whole issue? Uh,
0: you know, I know you you specifically wanted to talk about Houston, uh, so let's so let's talk about Houston a little bit because right? they have some parallels uh, to TCU. They really do, and. and So they're a team that's coming out of a mid-major conference. They just came off a 13-1 season where they beat uh, an established, you know, national program, Florida State, in uh, I believe it was the the Orange Bowl. Um, So, you know, I know a lot of people want them for the conference. Um, It's certainly not. It's certainly one of the better options out there. Um, Personally, I would not like to have uh, another Texas team in there. Uh, ultimately, the University of Texas is always going to get the recruits they want, so all uh, a Big 12 Houston is going to do, uh, in my opinion, is, is limit the recruiting opportunities for schools like Tech and, and Baylor and TCU. Um, but, you know, you have to respect what they've done, the, but the thing is they're going a little too far calling themselves the new TCU or comparing themselves to us directly, because let's be honest, they've had two conference championships in the last 10 years. Uh, you know, they've had two really good, like 10 plus win seasons. Well, at this point when TCU was accepted to the big 12, we'd won eight conference championships in the last 10 years. We had like the same, like eight, uh, you know, top 10 finishes over that time. Uh, and, I don't know. I'm just saying um, I think that they'd be a good member, but I think people need to cool their jets a little bit in, in saying, whoa, well, TCU, you know, got in, so Houston deserves to get in too. Um, but that's enough of me ranting on that. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Cincinnati and Houston. And uh, and to be honest, uh, I think both of them would, would make uh, good additions to the Big 12, considering what our options are right now. Um Really, I would prefer if we could just get uh, Missouri and Nebraska to come back and then oh, you would have their old rival and Kansas would have their old rival and, you know, that would make a lot more sense. But, you know, that's not going to happen. So, we'll just have to uh, take the best of what we can get.
1: Absolutely. 24 days until kickoff. Uh, Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bolsey said he wants to make the announcement before then. Although there's 24 days until the game between TCU and – South Dakota State, we do know that the biggest matchup I'm looking for is to their matchup against Arkansas. We saw what TCU did the last time they played the SEC, and they, I expect them to be able to be up for the challenge again in uh, week two. I I'm going to thank you for coming on to the show, and I definitely want to have you on throughout the season as TCU continue to make more doubters, more believers out of doubters.
0: Uh, that sounds good, Anthony. Thanks for having me. Go Frogs.
1: Absolutely. Again, thanks, Travis Kennedy, for coming on to the show. Now, one of the things that's often interesting is that whenever we find people talking about uh, national championship contenders, we find ourselves only looking at certain levels of certain certain positions. We find ourselves, of course, looking at the quarterback, all world future pro athletes at the wide receiver or at the running back position. However, one of the things we find ourselves oftentimes overlooking is the true value of an offensive line in the past teams who have won national championships and contended for national championships, they've at least have one to two players on their offensive line that found themselves drafted in the first two rounds. And I think when you look at that particular factor, you'll find yourself easily being able to eliminate certain teams who may have the offense to score, but may not be able to consistently be able to protect their quarterback in the fourth quarter when of course the team and the mental errors have a tendency of occurring. But, When I look at TCU, one of the things I'm excited about is we do know that if Sonny Cumbie and Meacham could make Trevon Boykins into an NFL quarterback, which, of course, they definitely did, I truly believe that they can make a talented quarterback like Kenny Hill into a consistent quarterback and possibly even make Foster Sawyer, who, of course, is no slouch, who's been in the offense now for two seasons, into a competent quarterback as well. So you look at those particular questions, you find yourself, the answers are who? Sonny Cumbie, and, of course, Meacham at the quarterback position. However, one of the things that I do find myself having concerns about when it comes to TCU is the fact that they only return one start on the offensive line. However, the exception to the offensive line concerns, particularly for a team playing in the Big 12, is the fact that oftentimes the Big 12 really doesn't play that much defense. Of course, we do know in the past TCU has been the exception, but nevertheless, we do know that the Big 12 that's really 10, that may be 14, that may actually be 12 again, actually is more of an air raid conference. So if, in fact, you're able to score more points than them, which, of course, is the true philosophy of all football games, if, in fact, you're able to get the ball last to be able to score, then maybe, just maybe, the concerns on the offensive line may that may not be that much of an issue because we saw with TCU Last season, that in their offensive philosophy, they're going to try to get it out to their particular playmakers in space, and at times that's called for a lot of quick draws, a quick, um, quick screens, and things of that nature. Which, of course, they utilized quite effectively last. Year. And I'm just truly wondering what we're going to expect from the wide receiver position. Now, of course, I do know about Tyus Williams. He was, of course, was a All-American JUCO All-American player, number one recruited wide receiver in the country in the Juco ranks last season. However, we do know about a guy by the name of Deshaque Williams, who, of course, a.k.a. Duke Williams, who, of course, showed glimmers, supposedly had promise and failed to live up to that promise. So I wonder if, in fact, Tosh Williams will be able to make the transition rather quick to the Big 12, where defense is not really something that's played. And honestly, when you truly think about it, probably the toughest defense that TCU may actually face in the Big 12 maybe their matchups that they face off in practice every day. Uh, Nevertheless, we do know that TCU finds itself starting the season ranked number 12, which is actually quite high when you consider the number of players that they lost uh, due to graduation and also due to the NFL. So just the fact that they were ranked 12 says more about what Gary Patterson has done in regards to uh, recruiting and improving the talent at TCU and also in regards to what people think about him and his coaching acumen, which, of course, is elite, nonetheless. But, of course, we have 24 days until we find out these questions, through these questions. And I don't know about you, but I am excited. As I bring the show to a close, again, I want to tell you that the previews will continue until kickoff. We are covering every team in college football, and we have writers that are going to be covering those programs so make sure that you tune in. But as I bring it to a close, I want to again remind you that remember that sports give us an opportunity uh, to take a time out from life and all the things that have a tendency of stressing us out. I know this week uh, we, college football world, lost an icon in John Saunders. Now, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I did not have cable growing up. So the only guy that I was able to watch was John was John Saunders and Terry Ballon on the football on ABC. And honestly, you know, when I heard about him passing away, it made me feel kind of sad because that's who I grew up with. At 12 o'clock, I cut off my TV, even though I listened to uh, Game Day on the radio because I didn't have the cable. But I tuned in to John Saunders and Terry Bowden every Saturday. And when, in fact, he started doing sports reporters, he is who I listened to on, on Sunday. It's kind of remiss to think that the last memory That a lot of people have of John Saunders Is actually uh, him handing over The national championship uh, To Nick Saban this past season uh, One of the things I say in life often Is that remember that life Is precious, make sure you enjoy it Because you know what, it's something That doesn't last forever But however the memories that we're able to share And the memories that we're able to Have with others is something that can be Passed down, John Saunders definitely Touched the life of so many people And I'm more than sure that my listeners who are also avid college football fans, you guys were touched by John Saunders as well. Uh, Be sure to tune in to sports. 23 days until kickoff. I can't wait. Peace.